Zachary Levi is a mental health advocate because he went through his own dark night of the soul. So on this podcast, we get into that. And he's also an actor that's currently on strike in large part because of the proliferation of the possibility of AI generated movies that could replace both writers and actors. And so we talk about how this disruptive technology may influence not only the acting industry, but all of the arts and all of labor in general. So this is a beautiful, stimulating conversation with someone who fast became a good friend, Zachary Levi. But before we get started, a word from our sponsors. First up, we have Bond Charge. Now, unless you've been living under a rock, you probably understand the benefits of sauna and red light therapy. But not all of us are able to acquire a red light sauna and put it in our garage or put it in our house. So one of the technologies that can be used is a sauna blanket and Bond Charge makes the best version of these sauna blankets that I've ever encountered. So instead of having to go into a sauna, you get the heat and the red light therapy in blanket form. So you can make a little nest, you can put on your Bond Charge sauna blanket and start to experience the benefits of the heat and the sweat and the red light therapy. So this is an incredible solution to get into one of these restorative practices that is really necessary for our fast-paced lifestyle, a lifestyle that requires us dropping into these deeper healing modalities. So I really encourage you guys to check out all of Bond Charge's products, but especially the sauna blanket. So if you go to bondcharge.com, B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E.com slash AMP, you can use the coupon code AMP to save 15%. That's bondcharge.com slash AMP, coupon code AMP to save 15%, which equates to $140 off your very own sauna blanket. Check it out. And if you're still on the fence, recognize that Bond Charge ships worldwide, has an easy return and exchange policy, a 12-month warranty, and all of their red light devices come in small, portable options. It's a great solution. So check it out, bondcharge.com amp. I want to talk to you guys again about mud water because mud water is something that's a part of my daily life. The combination of the unique adaptogens, herbs, nutritional mushrooms that they put together in each of their formulas is absolutely phenomenal. It has a fraction of the caffeine of coffee, and I like coffee sometimes too, but mud water just hits different. Each ingredient in mud water has a purpose, which was part of the fundamentals of how I created the Onnit formulas as well whether it's cacao and chai for the caffeine, lion's mane for focus, or cordyceps, which is in shrimp to export to help with physical performance, chaga and reishi for your immune system, the cinnamon for antioxidants and blood sugar regulation. There's so many different high quality ingredients in mud water. It's really phenomenal. And I love the fact that they have evening mud water now that you can have before bed, like this delicious chai that you can mix up with your favorite well, for me, alternative milk, because I got a little lactose issue, probably my Hebrew heritage going on there. 
Um, but also Mudwater is just a great company. It's Whole30 approved, 100% USDA organic, non-GMO, gluten-free, vegan, kosher certified. Mudwater also donates monthly to support psychedelic research, which is so essential for our mental health, well-being, spiritual actualization, although they don't talk about that in the medical research. But we know it's happening. There's actually studies showing that it's happening as well and that that matters too. So Mudwater is just a great company all the way up, all the way down. Their products are phenomenal. So if you're interested, go to mudwtr.com slash Aubrey. That's mudwtr.com slash Aubrey. And if you do that and put in discount code Aubrey15, you'll get 15% off. Once again, mudwtr.com slash Aubrey, discount code Aubrey15 for 15% off. Yeah, I watched this whole, it was on Netflix, but it was like a history channel kind of like about the history oh, of the all samurai. the samurai. It's fucking crazy. Oh I my saw God. It. Samurai one was crazy because we think of the samurai as like, like all of this always honor and always, they yeah. were fucking brutal. And that, whether it was like a rival clan or whether it was your wife yeah, or whether dude. it was oh, like yeah, everybody. Dude. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Like the, um, yeah, the amount of that. Yeah, the amount of, of, of um, yeah, of the backstabbing of, but but also that was really cool about, I mean, for me, I just love history so much. Yes. And so learning about, like learning about the samurai was cool, but learning about how Japan became a one, unified nation. One nation. Which that was a trip because I had no idea. Like I knew that there were, you know, eras of Japan and the shoguns and all that kind of stuff, but I didn't really know what that meant very much. I didn't have a lot of detail to it. So yeah, to watch all that go down and how all those shoguns are, you know, they had their samurai armies and then they would go and they'd get land and then they lose it. And then ultimately trying to go and take Korea and that totally failed. Yeah, yeah, they were like, whoops. I think <laughs> we should have just ended. We should like, you know what, let's just the, stop at Japan. That's, we'll the stop fa- Japan. that's the fatal flaw of every conqueror, oh, right? Absolutely. They always go a little more, bit too little far, bit more, yeah. you know, and like, what about Russia? Yeah. And Russia's like, no, 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 no. Do you know uh, Eddie Izzard? Nine. The, com- the comedian Eddie Izzard? Um, I guess that's German. Uh, he's a super funny English uh, comic. He's actually a transvestite. He, he's been like cross-dressing for a long ass time. And he has this really funny um, uh, stand-up special called Dress to Kill that he did on H. It was like way before Netflix and all that shit when HBO was the only place that had specials. Mm-hmm. It's fucking hysterical, the whole thing. You should definitely watch it. But he's got this whole bit <laughs> where he's he's talking about these, you know, people making these stupid decisions. And it's like, you know, Napoleon's like, I'm going to go get him. I'm going to go. It's a bit too cold. It's a bit too cold. <laughs> and then here comes Hitler. I got a better idea. I got a better, oh, it's the same idea. It's the same idea, you know? Like, it is yeah. so true. Like, Russia was that impenetrable. Also, though, oh, man, like the amount of lives lost in all of those For real. wars. Like, and, and oftentimes, like, you look at the stats, like, Russians lost lives three to, three to one. Oh, yeah, way more. You know, just fucking brutal. But that's also partly because I think they were, I mean, that, you know, they were people rich and equipment yep. poor when when the Nazis got to yep. St. Petersburg and all yep. that. Like, they're like, well, I mean, what was that movie? Enemy at the Gates, you ever see that? It was basically so, all ago. about like when the Germans got to St. Petersburg or something and it's, um, oh damn it, who's in it? Um, Jude Law and Rachel Weiss and, uh, but they play like these Russian soldiers um, and it's, and they're given nothing. 
It was like two of them would go in with one pistol and one clip, two people with one pistol and one clip. And they would have to run into the war zone and hopefully find other dead Russian soldiers and get their weapons to keep moving through the war zone. Yeah. Like, dude, that's insane. That is absolutely insane. Nobody, you, the United States has never, ever gone through anything like I mean, the Civil War would be the only thing. I mean, I guess probably the closest would be the Revolutionary War. Right? I guess, yeah. When, you know, yeah. we were way out, out, you know, outgunned. Outgunned. Way outgunned. Isn't that insane that we did that shit? I mean, I know. we, our forefathers, but still. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like, did you see Hamilton? I'm sure oh, you yeah. did. Yeah, a couple times. Fucking so good. Yeah, so good. Right? And just to, just to even though that's a fix, slightly fictionalized, of course, and uh, and set to hip hop lyrics, but nonetheless, it gives I you mean, like a flavor. Yeah, of dude, like, you get history out of that the, show, yeah, for sure. It's fucking, yeah. it's really, it's really cool. And I think people, the the instant reaction is to try and place our own moral understanding uh, to the moral understanding back then. And it doesn't mean that what everything was, every one of our forefathers was doing was right. But nonetheless, you can't also disclaim and discard all the noble things that they did. Is we You have yeah. to be able to hold that as a paradox, not a contradiction. Yeah. And just understand that there was amazing shit and there was horrible shit. Yeah. And you can hold both and not actually have to discard all of the amazing while holding like, yeah, they did not evolve morally to a point where we could actually say now, according to our standards, they were good people. Yeah. You know? Oh, I, I completely agree. I think that this wave of, I mean, I don't know. I think it can, t I can be, it can be tied to the con the, the greater concept of wokeness or whatever, but I definitely think that there is this really unfortunate shift in people's minds where they are throwing the baby out with the bathwater. They're yeah. saying like, well, these people, you know, George Washington or Thomas Jefferson, they had slaves. And it's like, yeah, they did. Everybody did. Like literally everybody in the world did. Every single people group, every tribe. Every And by the way, this was from the beginning of human existence. Everyone had slaves. I mean, slave itself as a word comes from Slav, a bunch of white people that were enslaved by the Moors. I mean, th this is where that comes from, right? Is it a blemish on human existence? It's a fucking massive blemish on human existence. Yeah. We never one of the should, biggest one of the biggest ones. Absolutely, we never should have ever treated each other with that little value. Although, ironically, in some cultures, slaves were valued even more than like your neighbor because people saw their the utility in them or whatever. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, which has its own darkness. Which has its own darkness. But 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 nonetheless, the the point being, we can absolutely look at things that our predecessors didn't did in the past and say, oh man, that was based on what we believe morality to be right now. That is absolutely not in line with what we believe to be right. However, you have to still look at it through the context of what historically has gone down in the world. And at that moment, at that time, globally, it was agreed that this was not a wrong practice. Yeah. So you can't just go and tear people down. I mean, because here's the thing, it's the most arrogant thing that any generation can do, which is to somehow come to the conclusion that you figured it out. Because a hundred years from now, they might be looking at us saying, you ate animals? You fucking horrible, disgusting. Why would you ever? Now, by the way, I'm a huge animal, <laughs> eating animal advocate. <laughs> we, we, we ate some animals. No, 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 uh, no, bro. About a couple hours ago. For sure. I'm, I, I guess, but you don't understand what I'm saying. That there yeah, are yeah. even people right now that think that that is sure. the most, the worst thing that you can do is to eat an animal. And, you know, 100 years from now, who knows where morality will ultimately end up going? And then they're going to judge all of us based on what they've ultimately concluded 100 years from now. Like, we're all this, you know, this in process as, a, as humanity. Also, I, I would say, I think on like the individual level too, even in modern context, 
I think it's a really terrifying practice that when people do wrong, that somehow, regardless of all the right they did, like speaking exactly to what we're talking about, but not even just generally to our forefathers, but like to use an example, Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, what he did with those kids is reprehensible. Like no one should ever do that, ever. And I think we can all collectively agree that he never should have done that. However, we're also capable of uh, using empathy and seeing that he himself was abused sexually and more throughout his life that led him to where he was as a human being, which doesn't excuse it, but helps us to understand it. And more than that, before he did all of those things that we want to condemn him for, he brought so much fucking joy to this world, so yep. much joy with all the music that still when you hear it, it brings you joy and you want to dance to it. But then there's that thing in the back of your mind of like, well, should I because of this, that, and the other? And I go, man, I'm sorry, but I'm still going to dance to that music. And also, if somebody who I think, even right now, is a dipshit who says a bunch of stupid things, if they say a good thing, I'll still, like, I'll, you know, if they, if somebody tweets something, it's like, oh, that's truth. Like, if just because you retweet that thing doesn't mean you're agreeing with all the other right. stupid shit that person says. Right. You're agreeing with that sentiment because that sentiment is true. And even assholes can be right sometimes. And it doesn't mean we can't listen to that. Nobody is smart enough to be wrong all the time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, exactly. if you were smart enough yeah, to be totally. wrong all the time, you're yeah. a fucking yeah, genius. Genius, yeah. Well, it's yeah. like, you know, a broken clock is right at least twice a day. Exactly. It's like that thing. Exactly. And again, it's really weird because if you go, I mean, there's been, you know, random things that I've reposted or whatever online and, and people go, do you know the history of this person? I'm like, yeah, actually, I don't. I don't know the fucking history of that person. But it, regardless, what they said, this statement in and of itself mm -hmm. is truth. Right. So what's wrong with that? Why can't we just accept that for what that is, you know? Like Osho. Um, yeah, that's you know, a good example. You know, it's like, listen, I saw that documentary. That's some crazy, and wacky, yeah, weird yeah, yeah. shit, right? Totally. I also know that he and all those people at some point in that journey were trying to hopefully do something good, trying to hopefully create a better society or whatever. But like most of those types of communities gets misled you putting too much power in one individual or like a very small group of individuals and they start getting drunk on their own power and who on all the things that went on but dude that guy had all kinds of wisdom come out of his mouth you know and and they're universal wisdoms they're wisdoms that came out of aristotle's mouth and yeah. other mouth you know what i mean but it's still true and we should be able to still be able to take that in yeah i mean this is uh it's an important lesson to uh, to be able to hold you know i mean and and also to hold too that we oftentimes get one side of a story, you know, that's, that's told, you know, and, and also what we can see in the climate right now is that if you look up, let's say RFK Jr., I'm wearing his shirt right now. Yeah. If you look him up online, there is no chance in hell that anybody should ever support him or vote for him. If you actually listen to what is being said about him. On, in, on the mainstream on media? On the mainstream yeah. media, there's yeah. no way. But at the same time, there's another reality. There's another truth. That if you like actually peer in and you listen to him and you feel him, then you actually get a whole different understanding of what that is. And I think we're all subject at certain times to a particular narrative being projected yeah. that isn't reality. So we also have to both, you know, use our own kind of our own kind of mind and heart and morality and ethics and code to understand where we stand. And then also hold all the stories lightly, because as it's often said, history is written by the victors, mm. you know, in history or history is written by the victims or history, however yeah. history is being told. Yeah. And especially in the time we're in now, history is being 
aggregated, reality is being aggregated by the mainstream and then literally projected out with a very singular narrative yeah. with some with outliers with agenda, yeah. and an agenda behind it. So it's an interesting time where the epistemic commons, like where we get to understand how to, how to make sense of reality, epistemic being that which we know, like how do we find out what we know? Sure. It's so muddy. And it's so like, it's so strange. And there's reality tunnels that just lead people further and further down delusional paths. So we're in a time where that's just going to increase as well, especially with, and now we're going to have deep fakes are going to start hitting oh, dude. everywhere. It's that's crazy. already started, it's but crazy. it's, this wave is just, this is just the froth on before the tsunami comes where there's literally going to be videos of everybody saying or doing anything yeah. And anybody you want to see yeah. in a pornographic movie, sure. Yeah. You want to fucking see Scarlett Johansson in a double penetration? Great. <laughs> you know, like, here you go. Here's a fucking deep fake. Like, well, you know, but, but and like, I, this is this is just the reality of yeah. like where we're going. Yeah. We're going to be able to actually see anything and then we're going to have to make sense of it in our own mind. And we're not quite yeah. equipped for that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of fucked, man. I mean, I, I try to be... I, I think of myself, I try to think of myself as a pretty optimistic person. At the very least, I, I think I'm a realist. But there's a lot of moments where I, if I really just start thinking about, like, just extrapolating out where we are now, five years from now, 10 years from now, particularly when it comes to technology, I mean, you know, Black Mirror should be required viewing for all people. It is a very real kind of, like, <laughs> crystal ball into where all of these technologies can take us. And, and... As far as like, you know, Unreal Engine and all the various graphic engines that are the kind of top of the heap right now that are creating all of these, you know, various... Um, deepfakes. Well, not just deepfakes, but all the CG and all the movies and all the video games and everything. Sure. I mean, it's, we're at the point where it's essentially photorealistic. It's, I mean, it's, if it's not quite, if it's not there, there, it's like yeah. right, right there, which you means- You have to have like a forensic, you'd have to have a forensic analysis exactly. to and, and, determine the and difference. And to me, that's where, you know, like, uh, Scarlett Johansson DP is a is 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 something that people might want to go and fantasize about, and and deepfake could allow for that. But I'm worried about well, Scarlett's worried about that as she should be, <laughs> as she should be. I don't I don't think she should be involved in all of that. But but I think that what we really need to be worried about is, you know, even when uh, Trump not this time when he had to go to court and get arrested or whatever, but like when they went to Miralago a little while ago or whatever. I don't know. And he had and he, he had to go somewhere. I can't remember what the fuck it was. But then there were all these clearly AI uh, kind of Im illustrations, but they were almost like they were people were sharing them around. Sure. Like the Pope with the big, you know, white puffy jacket. It looked kind of like a real photo and people just shared it around. And they're like, oh, look at this. Look at Trump getting arrested. But it wasn't at all. It was just AI making some illustrations. Yeah. Now it's going to be impossible to determine when you're watching a video of somebody doing something illegal. Yeah. Even, even law enforcement will be shown these things and they'll have to react on it. Right. It's you or I or somebody else who are like at some place and it's like, oh my God, they, whatever, they lit that building on fire. It's like, no, we weren't involved at all. All they needed was somebody else to go do that. And by the way, and actually soon it won't even require having an actual human being that you deep fake a face on. You can just build all of it in animation. You can animate the entire, I mean, my entire industry right now, well, almost the entire industry, but the writers and actors, we're all on strike in large part because AI is 
going to replace all of us. It's already starting to replace. You think so? No, absolutely. No way. I bet, I bet no, bro. Absolutely. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's, 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 it requires two things. It requires the technology being capable of doing it. And the, and the technology right now is capable of replacing some of our jobs. And it's, and it's two years away from replacing twice as many. And it's two more years from replacing eight times as many. And in 10 years, graphics and everything will be so unbelievably photorealistic that a studio head need only prompt, I want a movie that looks and feels like this about this. And a, and a computer will generate something and people go, yeah, but it's a computer and it won't feel like a human did it. I don't believe that's a, for years now, they've been using AI for other pieces of art, including classical music. I read about this in um, either Sapiens or in Homo Deus, the Yuval Noah Harari wrote these books one after the other, but he talks about AI and this, and, he, and this was years ago he was talking about this and they had computers with AI and they would feed in a bunch of classical music to the computer. And then they asked the computer and that, you know, it's kind of a rudimentary AI program at that point, but they said, create a concerto. And it did. And then they brought it and a human made concerto to a bunch of classic music snobs. And they said, which one was made by a human? And almost to the person, they chose the robot, the, the computer made mm. concerto. So this constant, I, I do hear this argument of robots, computers will never have the same human, you know, so here's, soul. here's the thing. Like I hear, I hear that argument. I receive it and I'm open to its possibility. Here's the thing. Right. So let's, let's imagine then we're going to that scene in interstellar where Matthew McConaughey loses 30 years. Yeah. Right. And he yeah. has to go view the tapes yeah. of his daughter. Yeah. And you know, I actually had him on the podcast and I interviewed him about that scene and he has a whole cool story yeah. about it that, that, you know, you're only going to do this take once because everything after that is acting. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, because he was really yeah, dropping into the. You could I mean, really he, drop it into the. That scene of gets it. memed to death because it's so emotional and he's crying and you can feel it. Like it's powerful. Right. My objection to this idea that AI is going to be able to replace us all. Replace us all is I just do not believe that AI will be able to transmit these intangible qualities that are expressed through human emoting in a sufficient way like i think they'll be looking for the different signs and things and if we're and if that's incorrect wow that's a weird world well so listen I, right now it can't but when you're thinking about futures technology futures you know you can't think next year you got to think five years from now ten years from now because it's exponential technological sure. growth you know so right, right now? No. I mean, if you ask for images of human beings, you end up with six fingers on their hands or weird shit like that. Sure. But computers are exponentially getting smarter, more powerful, faster, cheaper, all of these things. And so their ability to then scan all of content, all of it, and quite literally scan these scenes from Interstellar and anything else that was an incredibly powerful moving scene that other actors have done and metabolize all of that and then synthesize something out of that that looks and feels just like that, I think that's, it's, it's around the corner. But, here, yeah. but here's the other thing. Because I think those are, those are, will it feel like humans? Yes. So this, is the technology capable of doing it? Yes. I think these are true. The, the third point, and I think this is, this is where we have to hold the line ultimately. And I think even if we hold the line, we're, it's still going to be both things. But because people say, well, I don't think it's going to happen because people are still going to want movies made by humans. And I go, okay. I mean, listen, I want to go make a movie studio 
living community kind of situation. That's why I moved to Austin. And I think there will be even more value to something like that because we will sure. go into a phase of, hey, um, there's all that content that's not made by humans now. So support literally human-made art, you know, and we can do that. So I, I think there's a hope for that. But the same studios that are trying to grind us all down right now and not pay us good residuals and not, I mean, literally our contracts are garbage and have become more and more garbage over the decades, which is really unfortunate because there's so much fucking money to be shared. Sure. If CEOs weren't making 250 times what their employees are making, anyways, we can talk about that later. But, but the point is, these people are really good at maximizing their bottom lines for, and, and making more and more and more money. Yeah. And what they're going to do is they're going to find technology will get, it's already getting there, right? Right now, if you wanted, you know, you need a copywriter. You don't need a copywriter. You can absolutely do that with ChatGPT. You need illustrations. You don't need an illustrator. You can use uh, wonder or mid journey or what, I mean, these, you, and it's, it, and, and I, and I don't think people are realizing that this is, we are seeing the beginning. This is, this is, yep. this is a Napster on the music industry. Like this shit is happening. It is yeah. happening. So what's ultimately going to happen is again, studio executives will have technology powerful enough to just prompt as they want. I write me a script about, you know, uh, a bunch of kids who are uh, get in a plane crash in the Amazon jungle and they have to survive in the Amazon for a month, which is a true story, by the way, that recently happened. Uh, but, you know, something like that. And, and, and then they go, and um, um, I want it written like... Uh, a Guy Ritchie film. Like a Guy Ritchie film, and I want it directed like a Steven Spielberg film. Mm -hmm. Enter. And that, they will, it will populate a full fucking movie. It will, it will be able to do that. Oh, yeah. and, and here's the thing, but here's the thing. Because the last factor is, will humans decide to support humans or not? And all that comes down to, unfortunately, as we all know, is fucking money, man. And the studios will undercut human-made everything. Not even just our industry, every industry. Food. But then this, this, there's also, there's going to be the democratization of this technology, which is then going to allow anybody to tell a visual story, which will then undercut the studios. Well, potentially, but, right? But but here's the problem: is that we we need we need other humans to not opt into these programs, because as much as why see, just let the studios? No, have no, 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 no. So 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 I don't listen. I don't know what the full actual solution is, but check it out, because I've heard this too, and this is happening right now. It's it's other created people, but maybe who aren't trained or, 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 or have any access in being a director or being a writer or being, you know, right. Well, now they can sit at a, or, or they're not good as a painter. Mm -hmm. They're not, they love paintings, but they don't, they don't know how to paint. So they go to a keyboard and they say, make me this painting with these ideas that they have. Now one can make the argument and many, many ones do that. Well, they're the artists now, right? Like it's, it's, it's their creative idea. And I would say, yes, Absolutely, that is their creative idea. However, when you when 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 AI when it goes from being merely a tool in the toolbox of a human to replacing humans, mm -hmm. that's where the problem is. And if a young person sitting at home who's super creative but has no actual, let's say, creative skills decides that they want to go use this very powerful technology to go make their own video games or movies or whatever, on one hand, you go, wow, that's fucking amazing. If I was a kid and I had the ability to just use my imagination and create whatever I wanted, fucking incredible. But also, you've just now replaced thousands of jobs. 
So where do those people go? And what do they do? Because now all you need is one person per thousand jobs to replace all those people. One neighborhood of kids that have nothing mm -hmm. better to do will sit around and just take everyone's jobs away. And yeah. you go, and well, it's not just the actors, it's the grips, it's the fucking everyone. everybody it's who's involved everyone, in the production. Man. Yeah, it's hundreds, literally hundreds of people that are on set and hundreds of people that are back in the office. Yeah. All those people, it all gets erased and replaced because one person had, a, had an idea. And so there's the beautiful part of that is best story wins. The beautiful part, that's the beautiful part. I'm not saying it's the only part of the story, but there is a, there is a, an idea that you could say, all right, well, we're in the place just like YouTube content, you know, best content wins, there's algorithms that can kind of be manipulated, et cetera. But ultimately, you know, people are already enabled to be content creators, the best content wins on YouTube, right? So, and this could be, this could get to a place where the best cartoons, especially, I think especially like animators, like Pixar and those, those jobs are gonna be really suspect. And this is, this is a fucking problem. I'm not disagreeing that this is a problem, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but it's also like how cool that, you know, anybody can make a story and the best story will win. And there'll be stories that emerge from right. some kid in the fucking Bronx exactly. or some kid no, in like inner yeah. city Chicago sure. who has just a fucking great perspective on a great story and is able to put together at least at the first stage an animation, you know, that is a full feature film and it's fucking amazing. And then it wins an Oscar or some shit. And he's like, 20 year old kid from Chicago who never would have had a chance, never would have gotten into the guilds, never would have gotten, you know, exactly. been given their break. So yeah. there is some beauty to this. Well, that's what I was saying. On this hand, there is that beautiful narrative. Right. And I, you know, I hear it now, even now, you know, I, I like, and it makes sense because you're like, yeah, this, this person who wouldn't have otherwise been able to be a part of doing that now can. And that's, that's wonderful in a respect. But then all of a sudden now, what it took, the time, the energy, the discipline to be an artisan, to learn how to be a camera operator, to go through all the stages of like, yep. you're a camera loader, then you're a second AC, then a <laughs> yeah, first yeah, AC, yeah. then you're a camera operator, then you get to be a DP, you know, or the, starting at a PA and becoming a director or being an actor and doing small roles and making your way to doing large ones. I mean, the thing is, this person will just, not only will they eliminate all these jobs, but they didn't have to work for any of it. And, and I think that will start doing a very strange thing to our creative sensibilities, but also just really quick. I just I also just really quick, I want to, I want to pause this with a short bracket and wonder if my neuro-linguistic programming, when he said DP, did you think of Scarlett Johansson? <laughs> that's, no. That's just, I want everybody to have an honest inquiry with themselves right now. You don't have to share your answer. Just, just, just see. hold it inside. <laughs> just hold it inside. By the way, Scarlett Johansson would make an amazing director of photography, <laughs> DP. We can yes. leave her out of this double penetration nonsense. She's a good woman. Yes, I agree. She's a good woman. I concur. But, <laughs> that's a fun tangent um what was i saying though oh um uh, what what the fuck was this oh yeah you 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 said you said um the best idea wins yeah and what i would say is i wish that was the case but it's not the best idea always in fact often it's the cheapest and that's where i think the studio will undercut us that's yeah. where the studios will go listen we've got this technology no not even just the studios but these other people they'll go we have the technology we don't need to hire all the all these grips and electricians and hair and makeup and wardrobe and yeah, sure. props and set For design. For sure, the studio. We don't right. have to hire any of them. For sure, the we could just right. sure. But also the kid in Chicago. 
Yeah. Th th right? Because they can't. It's The studios will do it because they're super cheap. The kid in Chicago will do it because he doesn't have the money. But either way, you're replacing all of these jobs. And at the end of the day, what will happen is in order to create a movie with all those real human beings, it will cost you a certain amount of money, right? That's sunk cost. That is right. employing people and health benefits and all of the things. And so that movie will cost X amount of dollars. The studios will go in, throw some prompts in, and make a movie that looks, feels, sounds just as good, if not better, based on where the technology is, and not even just animated. Real Eventually, life, but yeah. animated through CG, through, right. through Unreal Engine. And, they'll, and let's say our movie as humans costs you $20, like a normal movie price right now. They'll come in and be like, five bucks. Mm -hmm. And then what do humans do? This is where our major, I think, inflection point is, which is it's, it, it, it's this monetary... We are so conditioned to want to get things for a deal. We're so conditioned. We live in this dis consumable, disposable world. We don't value the things that we buy anymore because we don't have to. Fast fashion is like one of the worst things in the world, polluting like on the highest levels. Yep. Because why? Because why not? Because yeah, this costs you 20 bucks and it'll rip and you'll just throw it away and you'll get another one. As opposed to back in the day when you actually had, we had very limited wardrobes because you add shit that actually lasted for a so, while so what? and you yeah. sew it and you darn it, right? But so entertainment is becoming the same thing. All re reality television, it is my, it is literally poison. I mean, honestly, like I can't stress it enough. And I, and I know a lot of people that I know, like friends or even family uh, that watch a lot of reality television. Guys, fuck it. I, I, maybe you do. Stop it. It's the worst. It is... All, all reality television is, is, is filler. And by the way, and it's filler. It's time kill where it hooks you because you get, you get put in a place where you get to be a judge. Yep. And at best, you're judging competition reality where people are singing, they have a talent. You're like, all right, well, I fucking, I like that person and they can move on. But at worst, and what most reality television is, is people sit there and they watch The Bachelor or whatever and they go, oh, these fucking idiots, mm -hmm. all right? And everyone just kind of si silently or very vocally judging the people on television. Sure. Because what idiots would want to go and do that? And now, by the way, and what and all of them are all just trying to catch clout anyway to become an influencer so they can all just sell more fucking bullshit <laughs> online. It's so it's a cancer. Like reality television is a fucking cancer. And but it's so cheap, and people keep eating it like drug candy, and it's rotting everyone's brains. And 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 that has now started leaching into actual narrative content. And you've got to look at Netflix or Amazon or plenty of these streamers or whatever. There's so much just garbage filler narrative shows now like you know like just stupid fucking rom-coms that people just sit there and it's like a fucking time kill it's like god yep. damn it like where's where's the actual artistry where where's the time spent into making something that actually means something and we don't well we just don't. then you know what needs to happen in conjunction with this technology this 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 kind of this rapid rise in technology that's changing the whole landscape is there needs to be an equally rapid rise in our consciousness, ethics, and, and moral, Amen. moral compass. And that has to happen across all vectors, including, you know, human work product and also safety and also all of these things. Yeah. And I think oh, yeah. this is why these kind of top down totalitarian, authoritarian, control everything, surveil everything, yeah. you know, be able to shut down bank accounts, everything, oh, whatever man. you want to do. Like this is part of their answer, but really all of this answer is, you know, radically lacking the faith in human beings. And 
I guess you could look at history of humans and say like, there's reason to not have faith in humans, but I do, I have faith in humans, I really do. And I believe that if we start speaking the truth and we start you know, having people model that level of respect, yeah. you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm fucking supporting Kennedy so much is yeah. I believe that what he's gonna do in office is gonna be really important, but also what he's gonna model, yeah. like what he shares just privately in conversations with me, the lessons yeah. he's instilled upon his kids. Like he's someone, I was texting him last night. He's someone that I genuinely admire that holds this kind of moral compass and this willingness to stand in the fray and this courage in real life that I think people can emulate and model. And I don't think we've had that. And I don't think, I think people are underestimating the effect that that will have, the ripple that it'll have when honesty and integrity and like a true moral compass. It's like the, it's, King Arthur shit. Yeah. This is like the, this is the return of the king. You know, this is fucking Aragorn coming back to the fucking throne of Gondor. We love a good Lord of the Rings, This Russ. is, this is, this is I mean, this is, this is what this is. And I don't think people get how significant this moment is to really have someone who's leading with their heart and able to speak, you know, honestly, yeah. like truly honestly. So I have, I have hope that, you know, humans will be able to evolve as quickly as technology. And I think the psychedelic, renaissance that's underway is also yeah. going to help facilitate that now there's going to be some casualties in that people are going to you know spin out and they're going to have difficult times with this of course but that's already happening with pharmaceuticals all the fucking time at a, a far larger rate exactly as well. exactly so yeah. i mean we're we've already we're already dealing with that and and it's yeah. not having the positive results uh, all of these antidepressants that yeah. all of the clinical trials are showing with psilocybin research yeah. and MDMA research. So we're entering a very interesting time where there's like two different forces. There's consciousness. There's also a revivification of people's understanding of God, spirit, source, yeah. whatever that is, yeah. that's starting to be felt. And it's it's gonna affect and touch every different category. And I don't know if we're gonna be able to stop technology from doing all of these things but we can respond and i think one of the ways we can respond and you know i, I know there's probably a lot of stuff for you to touch on but i want to cover this is yeah. what i also see is there's going to be an attraction to the analog the more things become digital so i could easily see plays like shakespeare in the yeah. park yeah. becoming wildly popular yeah. you know like i did some theater productions when i was in university of richmond which were fucking Heck incredible yeah, yeah did Mother Courage by Bertolt Brecht and I did oh, a did a Commedia dell'arte like improv comedy. Oh bro, we're so getting you back on a stage. Bro, it was, we are going to do it. It was the best. Yeah, that's great. It was the it's best. It's honestly my favorite drug ever and I've done plenty. And I like yeah. a lot. But <laughs> it, it was but it was the, the best. Yeah, the dopamine that you get, the, the literally. And by the way, and I only know this now having learned so much like their Huberman lab and stuff about things like dopamine. But holy shit, man. Because I've been doing, uh, you know, theater actor since I was a kid through school plays and community yep. theater and all that. And I've done Broadway a couple times. And the fucking amount of dopamine that my body gets rushed with. And no wonder I've been literally running after dopamine my whole life because I've been getting it in these massive yeah, shots sure. every time I do a live show. I just want to take a brief moment to let everybody know that we're back again with the Arcadia Festival of a More Beautiful World, November 2 through 5, Area 15 in Nevada. And our lineup this year is insane. We have actually, literally, my dream lineup of artists and speakers. 
including like Chromio, The Glitch Mob, Floozies, Dr. Fresh, Troy Boy, Elderbrook, Jai Wolf, Desert Dwellers, Parangi, Vailana, Makad Brooks, The Human Experience. I mean, the music is out of control. On the main stage, I'll be speaking. Mama Gina will be speaking. Del Bigtree will be speaking. NQ, the greatest living poet, in my opinion, will be speaking. And we got Matthias Stefano. We have Blue. We have so many unbelievable speakers and unbelievable experiences at the Area 15 property out there in Nevada, which is also mind-blowing and awe-inspiring and just a beautiful community of people that are there to make a stand for life to make a stand for celebrating our sovereignty our freedom our love our joy our ecstasis our play and wrap it in a container where we get to actually stand together facing a shared horizon and say we are here we are here we are here We're going to blow this away. Anybody who comes, I promise you, it's going to be an unforgettable experience. And I just can't wait to see you guys there. So if you're interested, tickets are going extremely fast. Go to fitforservice.com slash Arcadia with a K and check it out. There's a few different ticket options, whether you just want to attend for the festivities at night or if you want to be part of the full immersive speaker program. Or if you want to help with a lifetime membership and be a builder of what Arcadia not only is now, but will be for many years into the future. So once again, fitforservice.com slash Arcadia with a K. I can't wait to see you guys there. But going back to some of the things you were talking about, which I think are so well put. First of all, revivification, fantastic word. (laughs) Um, Also, you know, I, I do... Like I said, I mean, I I really do think I'm an optimist, though I fall to being a realist. And sometimes that ends up bringing me to a pessimistic spot. But I also believe in our ability to absolutely make it through all of this. It will be gnarly. It's going to be gnarly. And I think plant medicine is absolutely going to be a critical part of how we get through all of this because people have got to become decoupled from the bad programming that we've all been given in our own personal journeys and traumas, societally, in societal traumas, what our governments and industries have been doing to us and in the ways that we, in which they've been manipulating us and lying to us for decades and decades and decades. Like all that stuff is going to be gnarly, but we're going to get through it. And I believe, I absolutely believe that we can too. Um, but I do think it's important. I think part of how we get through it is we have to be able to be very real about calling out the bullshit, yeah. which can be very negative sometimes. Like me going on a rant on on uh, um, reality television, right? Like I, I got, I'm going to keep fucking shouting out from the rooftop because I think people need to wake up. Once you can click and be like, oh shit, maybe I am. Wow, that is, maybe I am watching too much reality television. That's where you can start making your way out of it. That's where you can start hopefully elevating and awakening and enlightening and not be wanting that. But if you're not aware of the thing that you're addicted to, if you're yeah. unaware of it, it's going to keep you there. Even yeah. if you're enlightening in other ways, you know what I mean? And we all have areas that are our blind spots and sure. all have areas that we're strong in. So. Sure. But yeah, I mean, I watch, I watch almost zero TV and I think there are, there is nuance and there is some, there is some discernment about what type of, like, I think carte blanche reality TV, that's probably an overreach because I just watched, uh, and there's probably, I think there's one more episode coming out, but I just watched Hard Knocks. Aaron Rodgers, one mm-hmm. of my best friends. Mm-hmm. And it's reality TV. It's showing the Jets. It's showing the Jets preseason 
training camp. However, you know, talking to Aaron, who's wouldn't fucking lie to me and yeah, yeah. is in the thing, like they just, they played it straight. Yeah. You know, they showed what was happening in training camp. Yeah. And they do weave some stories where they get you, you know, there's this one guy, Cap, who like did an Eminem fucking thing at the rookie show mm-hmm. and like everybody freaked out and you get to love this guy and he's writing like live your dreams on his fucking little wrist wraps and you're like, I hope you make it. And then next episode he gets cut. So they do some of those things, but it's real. Yeah. He really got fucking cut. Yeah, yeah. And he was really a fucking awesome kid. Yeah, and they didn't know he was going to get cut. They, didn't they know were he was following him cut. before he got exactly. cut. Exactly. Yeah. And they're following all the rookies that have yeah. that are on the bubble because that's part <laughs> of the thing. But however, so I'm going to be going to, I'm be watching every Jets game. I'm going to be there at, you know, probably at least half of them. Cool, I'm coming. Yeah, let's, let's go. go. Let's, let's go. go. Let's go. <laughs> but now, let's go, go. now I know the players. And yeah. now, like, when I watch, you know, when I watch someone make a tackle, when I watch Q-Ball make a tackle, yeah. I'll be like, that's fuck. That's right, yeah. Q. And I don't fucking know him. I yeah. only know Aaron. No. You know, and I, but, and I watch Wilson make a catch. I'll be like, yeah, well, that's 100%, up, but, but that's, but th- to me, it, look, and maybe it's nuanced, but I don't think, I really don't think it is. I, I really think there's a significant difference. That is a docu-series. Uh-huh. A docu-series uh-huh. or a documentary, uh-huh. though it is documenting reality of sorts, right? Like, right. by the way, Reality television started as docu-series. The first reality TV show was arguably, I think most people attribute it to cops. And that was a docu-series. That was real cops going on real calls with body cams on or whatever, and this is what you're watching. And people were fucking enthralled with it, right? Because it's like, oh my God, this isn't scripted. It's not, you know, a narrative thing. There's no producing involved. It's just that your fucking camera's on real life. And then what really kicked it off was the real world. Because we were all watching MTV back when MTV was actually fucking good and awesome and actually had (laughs) music on it. Um, But that was the beginning of their downfall. It was the beginning of all of our downfall including MTVs, when the real world started. Because then all of a sudden, oh, we don't just have to do music. We can do this type of content. And then what happened with the real world is that became unreal. Scripted. It became scripted, as did all reality television, because it's all manipulated. It's all produced. And a lot of people just don't fucking know this stuff. But part part of what I think is so dangerous about it is that I really do believe that it is subtly redefining what reality is. Because if we all keep calling something reality, Yep. as its name, even though it is not actually reality, we start bending in that. And people are. People literally watch these shows. Again, but how many people watch The Bachelor that are thinking, oh, I want to go do that so I can go become an influencer. So I, like, what, what, what are we doing? This isn't the thing anymore. Yeah, like, yeah. have a show about influencers then. I don't know. Like, but everyone's sitting around eating their popcorn like, oh, is Jessica gonna, gonna get laid in the hot tub tonight? Like, yeah, what the sure. fuck are we talking about? So I think I think there's absolutely room always for documentaries. I think that's a good, Docu- yeah. Docu-series and documentaries. A, it's a really good I love that shit. I love it. And by the way, it's so true. Like, you know, you watch Hard Knocks and you get to know all these guys that you wouldn't have otherwise known. It's like, um, you know, the, the Netflix uh, F1 series. I mean, F1 was kind of a niche sport that only super rich people gave a shit about. No one was really showing up to these races. Like, There's I some mean, people in, in Italy that are yeah, yeah, like, yeah. fuck certain, you, bro. Yeah, yeah. In, certain <laughs> countries, in certain countries, it was definitely bigger. But yeah. still, that series made F1 a hundred times more popular yeah. around the world. I mean, Austin's a great example. If you looked at the grandstands before that show came out, 
to after the show came out. It's unbelievable how many people are just mm -hmm. into it. And it's because there's a human story there that can connect to a human now. It's not just a bunch of guys that you don't know their lives, you don't know what they're about. By the way, you don't even see them. They're wearing a fucking helmet the entire time in a little car. So how, where is the connection? Well, now all of a sudden there's a docu-series that follows them around and you go, oh, that's who that is. And that's who his team is. And this is the drama between this team and that team and this driver yeah. and that driver. Now there's something there, but it's not, I mean, hopefully, I don't know how much of that is manipulated. I don't think a lot of it is. I hope it's not. Well, and this is this is where it's this is where it starts to get into a little bit of nuance, right? Because there may be some slight manipulation and also an entry into a world sure. that we wouldn't have normally got. Like, uh, what is that? Deadliest catch. Sure. Let's take this. Yeah. This is one that has a little bit of nuance yeah. because those waves are fucking real. Yeah. And they don't know the when they're gonna super hit. Real, but they were also and, manipulating it. Yeah. And they were also definitely manipulating yeah. what fucking Captain yeah. Sig yeah. was saying. And you'd see, actually, because I did watch that show a little bit yeah. back in the day. I would yeah. just I wouldn't like time my fucking day to watch it, but no, it was I'm like, sure. oh, I'm I'll sure. fucking check a little deadliest yeah, catch. Yeah. And then you started to see, and I'll drop in an episode here or there, and then you start to see, oh, this is bullshit. They're just creating a fight between yeah. the captain and the co-captain and this fucking thing. Yeah. This is complete horse shit. Yeah. And then they would cut to, oh, fuck, there's a big storm coming. And like these, pe these fishermen have fucking families. Yeah. And this gets real, it gets real, real all of a sudden. So, yeah. and the same with uh, the only other show that I can recall now kind of getting into is So You Think You Could Dance. Right. That one was, and then, but what all of these things have at some point a real moment, at some point where a dancer has to hit a stage and has to either fucking bring something magical out or not. And then there's all the judging and there's all, there's yeah. the bullshit that's associated with it. Yeah. There's the voting and all, and the, the natural judgment. Oh, this fucking guy can't dance. You try to dance, motherfucker. Oh, like, no, try oh, that. Try yeah. that. You try to fucking sing yeah. before you talk shit about well, this but, fucking but, but singer. But that's what I was saying, like, you know, Reality television at best, because I think it's all, ultimately, if you break it down psychologically, I really do believe that essentially all of reality television is some form of us being able to sit and judge. And I think at best, it's the competition. It's, yes. oh, these are people with real skills and they're competing for something and you get to vote or at least watch and have your favorites or whatever. Like, okay. It's like, almost, like, think, almost like sportifying. It, it sportifying is, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because the there's something, there's a metric to it. There's a something to it, right? right? It's subjective with the arts, right? It's not quite the meritocracy that sports is, but nonetheless. I mean, rhythmic ballet at the, I mean, rhythmic fucking gymnastics yeah. at the, <laughs> it seems hella subjective yeah, to me. Everybody's fucking throwing balls and catching them and with their butt the cheeks. ribbons and all the things, <laughs> yeah. yeah what like, uh, <laughs> and catching them with their butt cheeks. <laughs> like, it's so true. It's incredible. It's so true. It's like, yeah, you yeah. all win. You all get we all win. We all win. But, but so that, you know, I, I do think we need, I think as human beings, we absolutely are way too numbed out. And, and yeah. reality uh, competition shows and even sports. Uh, bro, I love sports. Mm -hmm. I could watch Sports Center on loop. In fact, I have. I've watched it on <laughs> the hour, through. every hour. Straight I'm like, I think I've seen this segment. Yeah, back. I know this segment. Well, that, well, I want to watch that top 10 again because that was like, I love, I love sports. But I also know that it has become, particularly in the U.S., although it's pretty much everywhere in the world now, it is so commercialized, it's so commoditized, it's so uh, uh, pop cultured that we will sit and 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 I won't I don't I don't want to use the word waste, but oftentimes if we could be doing something more productive with our day, something more productive for the world, yeah. we won't because right. we're because we're choosing to now now hold on. A do we have to have entertainment? Yes, because that is yeah. a lubricant of society. I mean, literally, I'm an actor. My That is what I do. I'm trying to bring in entertainment. So I'm not trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yep. I'm just saying that 
We need to be more mindful, Amen. more intentional about the content that we are constantly shoveling into our brains and into our hearts because it is energetic. It does affect us. Absolutely. It is real. And I think that the more we can try to get away from scripted reality television produced nonsense and move more toward either, by the way, I'm again, sports meritocracy. I like that there's something because I also think that sports pushes us as humans to want to be better Bodies, oh, it can right? be it can be unbelievably yeah, inspiring. Like it's it's also, very inspiring. You see someone dig deep. You know, you yeah, watch Jordan's yeah. flu game. Totally, or you watch totally. Wayne Wade in all the finals it. versus the Maverick, all and all you're like, holy yeah. shit! Yeah. Or even Vince Young at the Rose Bowl against yeah. the Trojans, yeah. and you're like, you watch don't, someone. Don't bring that game you watch someone bend <laughs> reality to his yeah, will. Hundred percent. Right? Like 100%. it's just like, holy shit! This is possible. Oh, yeah, One person can take all of reality and fucking change Dude. it with force of intent, and you're like, fucking a. I'm inspired. The most insane warping of reality that I feel, I think I've ever seen. I don't know. I mean, there's been so many incredible moments, but I was at game seven Lakers Celtics when, I mean, the last time they basically had uh, at Staples, Kobe um, and uh, Powell and Derek Fisher. And it was that 0.4 shot where Derek yeah. barely got the ball and through. And, but prior to them winning that game, again, we're game seven at Staples, all the Lakers fans, we're crestfallen because they were like down by 12 points and there was only like, I don't even know. It was like 12 seconds or it was like, there was like no time, right? I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was no time. We all thought we were losing this game. And then all of a sudden, all of that just manifested. It all materialized it all. And then the, and then Derek shot and everyone lost their <laughs> goddamn minds. Of course, yeah. you would imagine they would, but we did. It was the most, is like you can't even believe what you're witnessing. It's beyond real. It is surreal to watch yeah. that happen. And that is something that you can get from sports. And I also think you can get from really good scripted narrative, you know, art, totally. whether it's music or movies or television shows. Oh, dude, I'll tell like you, that. I'll tell you, man, I watched Guy Ritchie's The Covenant recently. Have you seen that one? He came that, out in no. like three months ago. Mm -mm. I fucking weeped for the last like hour of that whole movie, not because something sad happened, right. but because I was so inspired by the ethics and virtue. And it's all about the bond. And it's, so the, the bond is sacred. And so we live in a postmodern culture where everybody's saying there's no such thing as ethics or value or, or God or this bond. And this movie is just like, oh, yes, there is. Yeah. And it tells, you know, it tells a fictionalized story of the relationship between, you know, sergeants and operators with their translators in Afghanistan and the bond oh, between one particular one loosely based on some Who's reality. Oh, fuck. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Oh, that's a Guy Ritchie movie. It's a Guy oh, Ritchie I did not movie. Know that. Yeah. I... It's, and it's fucking Guy Ritchie's dialogue is just so fucking, yeah. it's so epic. But so that's, that's a perfect example of something that was so additive to my life and also so cathartic yeah. and also made me be like, yes, like yeah. I believe, I believe something about the world that I know can, I can take with me. And the same thing happened with 300 when I watched it. The same thing happened sure. with Braveheart when I watched yeah. it. It's like, oh, bro, Braveheart. bro, Braveheart fucking changed my life. It is a life changing it movie. Li it literally changed my life. No I, I remember, I remember running on the beach. That movie. I remember running on the beach saying like, and I was 12 or something when that happened, right? I'm running on the beach <laughs> and I'm going, fucking William Wallace wouldn't stop right now. You know, and like William Wallace wouldn't stop right now, and I just run a little extra hard. You know, half like, your face blue, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But uh, yeah, so there's so much beauty that yes, can come from these yes, different things, yes. and and it's really how do we capture, keep all of that, and then also navigate all of these other territories, and uh, and you know, like, and I think also like as many movies as they make about Cyrano de Bergerac, 
there is nothing like Cyrano being played by a great actor and you watching that on fucking stage yeah. and you're feeling the transmission yeah. of that. Sure. You know, like I saw that live and again, changed my fucking life. And I've watched all the Roxanne and I watched that Gerard, so Gerard Depardieu. Yeah, I, watched, <laughs> I watched him in his fucking version. And, yeah. and I thought, you know, I great. thought Peter Dinklage did a great job in the new Cyrano. Yeah. And they, I think they, they had a couple misses there on, on my perspective because sure. they, they adjusted some things. But I thought it was really cool that, you know, as a little person, he got to, instead of the big nose, yeah. he was like, fucking, yeah. that was a cool artistic choice. Absolutely. But there is something I think that will there'll be an appreciation for the analog that's going to come back. Like I don't gonna, I, listen. Gonna, I don't disagree with that. that. I think I think it's it's already coming back. I, oh, actually, hold on. Before that, though, I was going to say, similarly, in the way that movies like Braveheart inspire us, you know, something that all that reality, all that not all that stuff, none of that will ever entertain you or make you laugh like an incredibly scripted, performed, directed comedy yeah right there's there's things that move us this way and there's things that move us this way and comedy really good comedy you know there's silly stupid moments that happen in reality television or things that you even laugh at that are like guilty pleasure nonsense right. but like watching an incredible like watching ghostbusters or i mean uh, uh groundhog day to me is kind of a perfect movie bill murray anything um but those things that requires that requires real artistry, right? And and then going to your point of um, yeah, let's get his microphone. Let's get that. <laughs> it's a little loose. Yeah, it's getting limp. It's getting limp. No, nobody needs a flaccid. Uh, a flaccid mic stand. Flaccid there mic. we go. Thanks, Derek. Yeah, there you go. Um, you always need a good fluffer on set, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You were, you were telling me about that earlier, you know, with your side job. You Derek, know. <laughs> yeah, Derek the Flubber. Um, um, but yeah, dude, listen, I, I think even right now, it's it's cool. I mean, it, it there's this there's this desire. I think that smartphones, the the internet was one thing, or even actually, you know, then going back to another comment you were making, which is, yeah, you you can't, we can't stop progress. We can only hope to guide progress, right? Yep. But that requires most of us all agreeing and working together. Like with AI, it's split. Right. Like some people are like, nah, let it go. And other people are like, this will destroy us all. Like some of the smartest people in the world are saying, if we don't check AI right now, forget about jobs being destroyed, the world will be gone. And we're looking at like Skynet, Terminator shit, whatever, yep. I don't know. I hope to God that's not the reality. And I'm I'm gonna choose that that's not the reality. And look, you, you saying that. you saying so you saying I hope to God. I think that's the thing that the algorithms aren't accounting for. Is I have a God. deep relationship with God. Yeah. I just I do. Me too. And so God does not factor in the algorithms, you know. And that's the thing because it it just I think there's gonna be this emergence of this thing that we can't even imagine that will that it's like a necessary miracle, a necessary sequence of miracles. Yeah. yeah. Like not exactly in the biblical way that things were just showing like a like a flex miracle that was cool for but like actually existential miracles i really like that's what allows me to stay you could call it optimistic you could call it unrealistic but i also i have a gnosis of the divine mm. you know and it's not a personal gnosis like god has chosen me for no none of, none of that shit yeah. it's a fully democratized access that we all have amen if we open ourselves amen. a complete egalitarian yeah. you know access to yeah. the divine where i just have this faith and I, and i guess so 
I guess that's what's interesting is I see all of this and I actually don't disagree with any of anybody who's saying all of these different things and looking at the algorithms. We're in a fucking tight spot. <laughs> we're in a tight spot. And if you don't have, if you don't have faith in God, we're fucked. Yeah. We're like, we're fucked. And that's a crazy, it sounds like a crazy fundamentalist claim, but it's not for me. No, it's I, not for me. No, bro. I, but listen, I, I echo that claim. I, I am absolutely with you. Um, and by the way, by the way, and I, I think, I think the, the same poll that we have, you know, going back to, you know, this, this desire to almost return to the analog, it's all tied to a similar place. I think that through technology, technology has replaced spirituality. Technology has replaced, you know, almost like science has come in and a, and a very, let's say, you know, what was, what, what was initially probably pushed in a, a very like scientifically atheistic kind of like, all right, like that. Materialist, that. reductionist. It's this, yeah. it's all of that, right? But humans have found it wanting. Deep down in us, we are spiritual beings because we are spirits. This is a meat bag we all walk around in. Yep. But that's not us. We are inside of whatever this is. And in fact, this is more bacteria than it is even us anyway, right? So there is this soul, there is this spirit, there is this energy that is connected to source, to God, to the universe, however you want to like, mm -hmm. you know, slice that up. But I, I think that's all the same fucking thing. Correct. And, and this concept of prayer that spiritual people have been doing since the beginning of being human beings. Shocker, the Joe Dispenses of the world are now showing through science that it's really fucking real. Yeah. If you have intentional faith and you believe in an outcome and not wish for the outcome, but believe in the fucking outcome. And that's what Jesus and all of the other incredible characters that you can go back through any great book of antiquity, of, mm -hmm. of, of spirituality, of miracles, of prayer, of things, of Moses. I mean, I don't know. I think Moses probably was tripping on psilocybin when he was talking to the burning bush. I don't know. Or the burning bush was acacia, which is very DMT rich. So oh. he was actually smoking DMT. Okay. Or maybe that. Or the maybe burning, that. The burning but, bush. But I, but I, dude, one of the cool, like to me, one of the greatest, you know, pieces of scripture, like I grew up kind of in a Christian lineage of sorts. And I still hold sure. on to a lot of particularly the love and the wisdom that the New Testament gives. But I think there's some really great stuff all through there. But I love the, the, the passage where basically Moses is like, what's your name? And God says, no name. He just states that he exists. He says, I am. Hmm. Like, I think it's kind of one of the most profound things in all of the Bible. Because yeah. it's this thing that we as human beings, we keep chasing like the name of God, the name of God, the name of God. And everybody thinks they've got some monopoly on the name of God. And we've got the path to God. But by the way, and I know a lot of my Christian friends and family are probably being like, what? You believe what? But yeah, this is what I believe, guys. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think, it's, I think it's, it's so sad because it is the beginning of putting God in a box. It's the beginning of saying like, it, again, the hubris of humankind to state these two things in one sentence. We go, there is a God, which is already a profound thing to say, right? Sure. A lot of people would say that's crazy. Where's the evidence, right? I think we can find evidence everywhere in ourselves yeah. and nature and whatever. But we, we make this statement. We go, there is a God. Okay, cool. And I know it entirely. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? You're stating that there is an unknowable, immeasurable thing. You are agreeing that there is this entity that is in all, through all, like the force in fucking Star Wars, and somehow you know all the ifs, ands, or buts of what that thing is. 
you arrogant, arrogant <laughs> fucking apes. Like, what, yeah. what are you thinking? Yeah. And so that, I, I, it's so unfortunate because I think it starts really genuinely disconnecting us from the profundity of the I am. Like it's, I am, I am everything. God is yeah. the fucking rocks and the trees and the birds in the sky. He's all of us. He's all the bacteria in us. He's, I, I, or he, and by the way, I say he because sure. of the, you know, typical placeholder, but he, she, it, whatever source. I mean, I think there's something so powerful about that. And technology has led us down this road of, no, no, you're the God. You are the, and, and look at this. And now you're empowered so, with all so the right, information so that, in the world. And now, and we're finding it lacking. And we are, and I think we will continue to find it lacking. And that's where, that's where I just believe that McConaughey let his God show. He let his God show in that scene. And somehow yeah. I think that's the thing. And, and obviously in person, you know, we're always going to be able to feel that. Like there's something different about listening to a good jam on Spotify and then going to a fucking concert. When someone's really ripping and laying yeah. it down on a live show and you feel their energy and you feel the strike of the instruments or the strum of the key of the strings, yeah. like it's a different fucking thing. And the crowd, like the crowd itself, like being a part of a crowd. Absolutely. Like that's like the, the ecstasy of the crowd you know, is fucking, it's real as well. And so there will be a lot that's replaced. And then there also will be an even deeper craving for that, for which things. cannot be yeah. replaced. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, like right now with vinyl, vinyl's having this incredible resurgence because people are kind of like, all right, well, I can have any song I want and I can, it can be on my phone and it sounds good, but there's something about an actual record and the needle on the record and the even crackle of it and whatever it is, there's, there's a tangibility about it. There's something that is there and you can feel yeah. the soul and the energy of it in a way that an MP3 or a file or whatever just doesn't translate in. And I, and to that extent, I think that, yeah, more and more people will find these analog kind of, um, you know, uh, uh, ways to, to, to reach back into that. And I, and I hope that that has such a powerful swell to it that it keeps going yeah. and that we're able to kind of take back a lot of the life that, by the way, if you ask almost anybody right now and you, and, and they're being genuinely honest and you say, if you could take away like one piece of technology or like go back to a certain year like uh, of technology, where would you go back to? I would say the vast majority of people, if they, if they give a, really give themselves a moment to think about it and they're being honest, they're, we're all going back to like late nineties, early two thousands before all of social media and all of the smartphones and all of this, all of that, because everything that came with that, listen, it's the- Well, with the, the exception of podcasts. Sure, but by the way, the technology for podcasts existed back then. Yeah, it just In didn't. fact, it was radio, <laughs> but, but, but I mean- But radio was controlled, the thing no, about no, radio, true, radio true, was true. controlled yes. by stations, which yes, were then- 100%, you know, but, but we, this fortunately actually was, this is rudimentary enough from a technological standpoint that this, it, the technology existed. The concept of podcasting hadn't yeah, been yeah. created. Yeah, that's true. Right. But I, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think that deep down in us, again, to the point, like we crave it. People don't realize that they're even craving it sometimes. People aren't realizing like why they're so not satiated in life. But genuinely, man, I, I, think, I think that it, it is that it's the return to who we are. And I think a big part of that, honestly, is once upon a time, like our bodies we're still hunter gatherers, right? You know, uh, biophysically or, or physiologically, 
we're still that. We were that for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years, which is why all of the biohacking that goes on now is really just figuring out, well, what did we do then? Yep. And then how do we live a, be a better, healthier, happier life? And back then, when we were hunter-gatherers, it was before the agricultural explosion and therefore the beginning of money. There was shells, granted, at that time. But prior to that, there were five pillars of survival. It was food, water, shelter, uh, clothing of some kind, and tribe. And then... And, and those are the only things our, our, our uh, sympathetic nervous system, our, our survival, yeah. only cared about those five things. Nobody gave a fuck about anything else, which is also why I'm sure depression, anxiety, all these other things didn't really exist on that level then because we weren't fucking constantly thinking about what we don't have or what we need sure. or yada, yada. And then as soon as we got money, it hijacked our sympathetic nervous system because now survival didn't mean you needed these five things. It means you just need one. You just need this one thing, and then I can go buy all those other things. And then it's just become from that point for the last 12,000 years or whatever, it's how do I just get that one thing? How do I just get that one thing? And it becomes our whole subconscious modus operandi. Like, how do I, how do I go do it? And then everything that becomes attached with that. And what we're longing for is getting back to the simplicity, I think. But the biggest piece of that is we've lost community entirely. Yeah, there has to be an entire reboot of the community tribal structure and i have a whole dharma of of how that might look in a practice that i've initiated with my friends i've told the story too many times on podcasts but i'll i'll share yeah, it with we'll you as well yeah, i, yeah. I want to hear about it because uh, I, I think i think it's absolutely i think it's absolutely essential and so you went through you went through a really dark moment yeah like I've a really dark quite, uh, quite a few of them but yeah yeah in 2017 yeah when i moved to austin I had a whole head full of steam and dreams to go build a community, build an arts community out there. Mm -hmm. And I bought a bunch of land about um, 30 minutes east of town and on the river. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go and do this. But I, I had a complete mental breakdown. I didn't, clearly I didn't know what was going on with me then. I went to this life-saving therapy for three weeks. And in that- What, therapy, what is that? You, you referenced that. What is a life-saving therapy? It was basically three weeks of working with this company up in uh, Connecticut where they essentially organize a whole treatment schedule for you. They mm -hmm. put you in a house. They um, give you these uh, companions, these house moms that rotate through every day. And they're responsible for making you breakfast, doing your laundry and driving you to all your appointments because you're at death's door and like you can't be depended on to actually take right. care of yourself. Uh, and then, and it was three weeks, seven days a week of, of, of two to four of the, these 12 modalities or 10 modalities, which was psychiatry, uh, um, psychotherapy, dialectic, behavioral therapy, art therapy, meditation therapy, life coaching, nutrition, nutritionist, gym four days a week, yoga twice a week, Pilates twice a week. And in that time, I learned a lot. I learned very deeply that I didn't love myself and that I had never loved myself. And I had no real concept of what self-love even was. And I'm six years into this journey and I'm still a, an infant in it, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm almost six years old in my journey of loving myself. But so proud of myself of where I've come. I mean, the fact that I can even say that I'm proud of myself is pretty good sure. testimony to, to, that, to that journey. So that was a big part of it. But there was a woman there who was really the linchpin of my healing because she was one of these house moms and she was a deeply spiritual Christian woman, still is deeply spiritual Christian woman, um, who was literally a conduit of God's love, a mother's love for me. Because mm. my, ma my major trauma wound is from my relationship with my mom. And this woman was like this 
this, you know, uh, yeah, this conduit of like yeah. trying to, God was like literally speaking through her. She was praying for me. She, she could have lost her job for praying for me. She was, she told me one day, she was like, Hey, just, you know, just so you know, like if they find out I'm praying for you, they could let me go. To which I said, what a crazy world. I said, please, uh, bro, is uh, which by the way, that's all been kind of understood now, which I, yeah. I'm very happy for. I'm glad that that organization recognizes because by the way, I was, I think I was a really good success example of you, you can't just give people clinical uh, teaching. You can't just do that because if they don't love themselves, like I learned all these great things, but if I never, yeah. if I don't love myself, I won't apply them to me because I don't think I'm worthy of applying them to me. Correct. And this woman was that thing. She, and even told me, you know, after I said, oh, please, you know, please don't stop praying for me. I, I need that. Like, you're keeping me alive. She's like, oh, no, I won't. I just wanted to let you know we're driving. And she, we drive for like a beat, a second longer. And then she turns to me and she says, oh, but also like, I will gladly lose my job for you. And I lost my shit, obviously, just weeping in the car. But that was, that was God using that woman and all those other, you know, people sure. to give me a holistic kind of at least reboot to get me back on my feet. Now, later, after I started learning more and more about my own biochemistry, I started putting two and two together because I, prior to moving out to Austin, was on an Adderall prescription and was a pack-a-day smoker. And when I moved to Austin, I was like, you know what? Cold turkey, I'm going to give all this up. I want to be like focused and I want to go. I had no idea that I was putting myself into a dopamine death spiral. Mm -hmm. And I ended up in this nothing but darkness because my dopamine levels were so high. And then they were boo, 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 all the way through the, to the, to the, to the ground. And dopamine is insanely important to <laughs> motivate sure. you to get the fuck up out of bed and think there's any point to life. Sure. So there was a lot of things that all kind of conspired. There's definitely a perfect storm in that, but that led to all kinds of breakthrough in my life and being able to write a book, which started the whole conversation of even coming to talk to you. Um, but Fortunately, our, you know, unfortunately, our schedules didn't work out then, but now we got to hang out in Sedona, oh, so yeah. it's even better. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> do you have a self-love practice or do you just understand the concept? Because it's it's interesting. Like I had um, Kamal Ravikant come on and he wrote a book, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. Mm -hmm. And his his method is is actually a practice. There's breaths that you take where you say, I love myself and, and you know, out breaths where you say like, you know, you're thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to keep the polarity. I love up. myself. You're fucking garbage. Uh, I love myself. Yeah. So it's, it was interesting. You should be so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting to see that this kind of like repetition, you know. And Don Miguel Ruiz says, "Practice makes the master." You know, mm -hmm. he talks about that in the Mastery of Love. And there's some element to it that's practice. Some is kind of understanding the core structure of the cosmos, understanding that God's love, the love of the mother is a real thing. And you can tap into the field of love and collapse the myth of separation where you're no longer separate from the field of love. And that can help you understand that you're always worthy of love because you're connected to love yeah. and start to undo some of the code. But it's an interesting complex puzzle of potentially some practice, potentially some understanding the core structure of the cosmos, yeah. some vigilance, some personal practices to yeah. get your neurochemistry right yeah. and your physiology yep. right. Yep. It's a very complex puzzle to actually apply and then have significant breakthrough like you had. I mean, I definitely think that we all need to take a really good hard long, hard long look at our biochemistry. Uh, and figuring out how to, I think one of the biggest self-love practices is self-care. 
You have got to understand what it means. And now, now granted, it's, it's a weird catch-22 because if you're still struggling with loving yourself, then you'll struggle with caring for yourself. But the more you can fight through that and be like, okay, it doesn't matter. I'm going to go work out even though I'm not feeling like I love myself. I'm going to go eat healthy even if I'm not feeling like I'm loving myself. I'm going to get some good sleep and wake up with the sun and you know, do, do, get your circadian rhythm right. All those things, those things start getting your biochemistry more in tune and shocker, you start actually liking yourself more. I think yeah. that's a huge part of what any good self-love practice is because I do think that's a big part of that practice. I don't, maybe I should, have these intentional breaths or things like that. But what I would say is, you know, one of the biggest, I don't know, one of the biggest practices that I have for myself is capturing my thoughts. Mm. And by the way, the Bible talks about that stuff too. But, you know, once I learned that, well, uh, quite a few things. I mean, I love this quote from the untethered soul, which is, you are not the voice of your mind. You are the one who hears it, right? We mm. are not this constant chattering, which is why when we meditate and we can get that voice to shut the fuck up, you realize, oh yeah, what, why, why am I? Why is all that noise going on in there? And if you're a very cerebral person and I find myself to live in my mind more than my body sure. and heart often, that's a, a little more difficult sometimes. But, um, but I, when you recognize that your self-talk is really the, the negative, the negative like chiding that you would get from your parents. You yeah. know, when I, when I recognize that I would talk to myself the way that my mom and my stepdad would, would, would really you know, like harshly criticize me and, and taking that captive and say, whoa, whoa, whoa okay, wait, 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 why, why? I don't need to do that. I'm actually, I'm not a little shit. I'm not a little fuck or whatever my parents would call me. I'm not mm -hmm. a fucking idiot. I'm not, I'm not those things. I am a work in progress. I, I am doing my best. That's another big thing I think people need to recognize. By the way, it's, this is actually one of the, I think the most bitterest, one of the bitterest pills that we as humans absolutely have to swallow. It's bitter at first, but it's really one of the greatest healing medicines. Actually, is, you know, ironically, I guess so many medicines are kind of bitter, but everyone is doing their fucking best. Yeah. We don't want to believe that. We don't want to. We're so, we're so programmed to judge. We're so programmed to want to distance ourselves from the asshole, from the person who's doing this thing or that, that thing wrong or whatever it is. But the truth is, deep down, we are all, by the way, our, our, our nature programming, as it turns out, date, more and more data comes out, that we are so already programmed when we come out of the womb by our nature. Like regardless of what the nurture is, we are super programmed by our nature. Not that you can't fix it because we can do that too. But then the nurture is a massive part of that. You're a child. You're getting all this programming. It doesn't mean you're not responsible for your actions, but good Lord, we got to have empathy with everybody, including our own parents and go like, they were doing their fucking best, clearly. Yeah. Everybody, you know, every villain is the hero in their own story. They don't think they're doing something nefarious. They're surviving yeah. in that way. So that was a huge, massive breakthrough for me in being able to forgive my mom, my stepdad, anyone else in my life. Because in order to forgive yourself, which you need to do, yeah. you have to go, I was doing my best. Oh, fuck, if I was doing my best, I guess everybody else is, oh my God, but I don't want that to be because then I don't have a, I don't have a person to be angry with anymore. I don't have a person to blame for my shit anymore. So you got to swallow that fucking pill. Yeah. And if you can get that down, man, get that shit down because if you, you, you can radically accept what's happened in your life. You're not going to change it. Then you can radically forgive 
Because forgiveness doesn't mean giving people access to your life anymore or that you have to like them or anything. It just means I'm not going to keep drinking this poison hoping that you're going to die. And then getting to that radical love part of it, which is I'm going to now want the best for my life, knowing that I deserve the best in my life. Not, I'm not undeserving because I'm some idiot that fucked up all the time. I was doing my best. I was doing my best. So capturing those thoughts every time I start to condemn myself and saying, no, that's a lie. That's darkness. I will not receive that. It still creeps in. I still got to fight it. It'll probably be the rest of my life. That's just part of how healing works. But as a practice, the more I can do that, the more I can get my biochemistry balanced, the more I can, you know, keep these mantras and keep doing things like cold plunging and saunas. And, you know, that's all part of that biohacking. That's all part of like, investing in this vessel. And, you know, at this point in my life, I, I'm more inclined to believe in reincarnation than anything else. So I, I feel more optimistic about losing this vessel at one point. Cause I think maybe I'll probably, I might have one later and maybe I've had many before this, right? You will. Yeah. Um, University of Virginia has pretty much proven it. It's crazy that really, yeah. It's oh, you got to read the studies. That oh, are dude, out there I love just to. thousands of different yeah. of different case case examples that have been documented scientifically. Well, it's I, watching show, watching a docu series about death. There was this one episode where it was about these kids who come into the world, exactly. and they are absolutely so. Those have been they remember yeah, these those have been ag- those have been aggregated into the thousands yeah. now of impossible yeah, situations. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. where you know exact names, you know exact yeah. places, you know exact yeah. the way that the house house yeah. is laid out yeah. in a distant place that, you yeah. know, a kid who was a pilot, a world, a world war II fighter pilot. I saw this, the episode of this, this, this kid, that was the, the life he remembered. And he remembered flying a certain plane in certain battles. He, he was shot down in this place. He, this was his wife's name. This was a, he was six years old. He's rattling off this information. <laughs> yeah. It was all pre-internet too. So it's like, how the fuck could him and her, his parents devout Christians so fucking confused. Cause they're like, well, how can we believe in what we believe in? But also right. our, we know our son's not crazy and it's not a demon and he's not lying. So what is this? And I, it's like, yeah, yeah, to me, that's pretty. And then they talk about, there's all these you know, thousands of, but so that's what the Virginia study was. It's yeah. all those types of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's powerful. It is, man, it is. And I think one of the, you know, one of the last things we're wrapping up here is what I've found too is my own happiness, my own, you know, sense of feeling it's just this kind of peace in my, like a deep peace is having a deep connection to my purpose and understanding. And I think this is also something that we all need to wake up to is this is go time, baby. This is game. You know, this is game. If it's not game seven yet, it's at least game fucking five. Five We're in the third quarter of game six. We're warming up for game six (laughs) right now. So it's an away game guys. Like we really got to (laughs) fucking, we really got to step up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the fucking time. And and like when you, when that purpose clarifies, it's kind of scary at first. Again, it's like a, a bitter pill because then you start realizing how am I spending my time? What am I actually doing? How much time do we have? you know, and making peace with all of these different realities and then saying, all right, like the Spartans did, like I'm going to go out with my shield or on it. And then when you have that mentality where it's like, okay, I understand that I'm going to play a role in this gigantic symphony and I'm going to just sing my song and play my instrument as clearly and as saliently as possible. And I'm going to participate in you know, this world potentially having the best chance possible. And when you actually do that, your life, or at least I can speak for myself, my life has even transformed more than it already had, yeah. you know, and the deeper my purpose gets, the deeper my joy gets. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and, I, and I think a lot of that is because, you know, like 
when you're being intentional about wanting to be of service in this life and in this world, in this universe, I think that God responds to that. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I, and I really do believe that that God doesn't give us more than we can handle, but also we get the opportunity therefore to handle more if we want it. Like with great power comes great responsibility. And I want that shit. Yeah. I want that fucking responsibility. I want to be able to go make a difference in this world. I want to, I want to, you know, I I mean, I know a lot of people say it, but I definitely want to leave this world better than when I came into it. And, but I think the only way to really do that is to go and, and sing that song, play that instrument, be of service, even the littlest things that we can do, smiling at a stranger, all of it, like, but that requires us doing our internal healing and, and awakening. Yeah, and, and, so it's, can... and it's a constant, it's a constant battle too, because I say, I say this and also it doesn't mean that I don't waver and doesn't mean uh-huh. I have moments where it's like, it's yeah. like, God, I, yeah. God, like, God, I fucking hear you. Yeah. And, and the God that lives in me, as me and through me connected to everything, you know? So it's not this, oh, God is appearing like, a, yeah. you know, in the Moses movies or some yeah. shit like that. It's just like this, this knowing, this yeah. gnosis. And it's like, fuck, like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it, you know? And it's like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. But then there's another voice that comes in and says, it doesn't matter, son. Like, just give it your fucking best. Yeah, because like, give it everything you got. Because God ultimately doesn't need us anyway. <laughs> like, seriously, it's like, I, I, I mean, I, I think that we're all infinitely valuable and entirely unimportant. Like we're in this and very aware of the good and evil and the light and darkness. And we want to go fight for light because I think that's what our calling is in our existence full on. But God's already won every battle of war and he's, it's all contained within him anyway. So it's like, uh, but, but also that shouldn't make us be apathetic. And then, all right. So at this point, then you'd have to say like the God that you're referring to, there's the God that is everything and is in this full completion of all of the cosmos that is actually like, yeah, all right, whatever. And then there's other faces of the divine that you could some call angels or you could call it just a different face of the divine that radically fucking cares and that just cares about your story and cares about this story of this earth and this fucking planet. This, yeah. So there's like this different dimension. This particular strand of this dimension on this earth in this, yeah, version of the earth and all that. Because it does matter. In every one of these moments, they're, they're precious, they're real, we're here, right? Otherwise, we're literally, if you were to just do, take the nihilist approach, then it's just nothing but apathy. Like, who cares? It doesn't matter what happens, so right. just let it happen. Then then what? Then why? Well, why are we moving? What, what's even automating us through this day? Why not just starve to death? Why, like, why not? Why? Because there is still power in every single moment. And we know that in yeah. our body. We yeah. can feel it. We can feel that it fucking matters. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Bro. So fun. Solid. Thank you so yeah. much, man. Yeah, for this sure. This is exactly the kind of shit I wanted to talk to you about. <laughs> Wellness, spirituality, all of it. Let's go make the world a better place. Yeah, let's play some volleyball. In let's the go do it. Let's go play some volleyball <laughs> and some basketball. Much love, everybody. Peace. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast with Zachary Levi. Hopefully you found this conversation stimulating. If so, wherever you are, show some love, and we'll see you next week.